Well, this is going to be a fun episode because we're going to be talking with a friend of ours, Amanda, someone we've known for, I don't know, a really long time. Right, Amanda? Yeah, like eight or nine years now. Crazy. Um, Amanda's awesome. Um, Time flies. Amanda Milligan is the head of marketing at Stacker Studio, a data journalism newswire that partners with brands to create and distribute content to their high authority publisher network, building brand awareness and earning links for their clients. With a degree in journalism and a decade in content marketing, she spent her career helping brands harness the intersection of content and SEO. She's been published in all sorts of places, an entrepreneur, Forbes, TechCrunch, Search Engine Land, Moz, The Next Web, and many, many more. She's spoken at industry events such as SMX, MozCon, Brighton SEO, and PubCon. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I love this. I love that we get a chance to catch up and talk about content and PR just kind of the best situation possible. So thank you. This really is. I mean, this is all in our wheelhouses and or our our collective wheelhouse, I guess you should say. So it should be kind of fun. And I'm excited to reconnect because we do kind of stem from the same world, but I feel like we've mm-hmm. all gone on to do different things. So this should be, I'm excited to see what we learn from each other. So absolutely. Cool. So yeah, the you know, just to flip it on its side, Amanda, if you have questions for us, Let's just, you know, feel free to ask if you think of something that you're curious about. Oh, I will. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, let's just get started. Um, So you want to talk about newsworthy content, and I think that's a great idea. But let's start with the beginning of why brands should even care about creating newsworthy content. What's the point? Yeah. Great question, right? Because, uh, you know, people (laughs) talk about content marketing, and that's just the vaguest most general thing ever. It's like literally all content falls in that category. So. Yeah, exactly. Like what's that <laughs> Yeah, so this is like a subset of that. There's a million types of content. We're talking about newsworthy content, right? So things that are that are worthy of being talked about in the media, things that a lot like a large audience is going to care about, things that are new and relevant and et cetera, et cetera, all the things that you would associate with the news. The reason why from my perspective, I think brands should care about that, is it's one of the best ways to simultaneously earn not just the awareness, but the authority of content creation. Uh, A lot of things are meant to, you know, some content's meant to convert customers, some content's meant to get your brand name out there. I think newsworthy content is a great blend of getting your brand name out there while also building trust in what you're doing and your values and what you're trying to provide to people Because you're kind of showing like, listen, we care about stuff outside of our product or service offering. And we want you to know this interesting or important or entertaining information. So I think this can apply to a lot of different brands. I think a lot of people can benefit from this and that it's often overlooked. I think the bottom of the funnel stuff is the the fun, sexy stuff, right? Like it's, oh, we need leads, we need conversions. But especially from a branding perspective, a top of the funnel marketing perspective, I think newsworthy content can go a long way. What do you both think? How, how do you? How does this play into your kind of PR strategies? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I, yes, go ahead. Ba- yeah. ba- you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're preaching to the chorus. I mean, so what were you gonna say, Jackie? I, said, I heard I like you know. shout. <laughs> yes, go ahead. You first. I'll go second. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to encourage you know 
folks to create newsworthy content, especially to stand out from a PR perspective, to have an opinion on a topic that's trending as long as it's relevant to what they, you know, do as long as they're not (laughs) – also as long as they're not just trying to be – I don't know. There's probably a good catchphrase for this – to get coverage for coverage sake, you know, journalists are going to see right through you. So I think there is like a fine line when thinking about it from an, I don't know, an ideation perspective. Um, Maybe it's best to start off with what topics you should be speaking towards and then brainstorming from there. Like you don't just want to be like, oh, I don't know, Oprah Winfrey is trending. How can we create a piece of content that relates to, I'm trying not to be as political as possible. Everyone loves Oprah, um, but it's probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But it's probably not like, you know, something that every brand should be creating content around. So I think you need to still keep that in mind. That's good. If I'm, yeah, that's my two cents for now. Um, (laughs) Jackie, what were you going to (laughs) say? Uh, my two cents is um, you're going to have a way easier time with PR and outreach if what you're pitching is actually newsworthy, um, especially as more and more PR people catch on to the fact that content seems to be the way into the hearts and minds of um tastemakers oh god that's so tacky i really mean like journalists and editors and um as competition keeps getting higher we have at least in my own personal work i've found that the best success we've had at even generating press has been when we focused on topics that are being talked about and are tied to news events so i think there's a huge relevancy factor there um So your brand not only gains awareness, but you're being relevant to what people care about as, and then Amanda, I think you brought this up that I think, I think is kind of the job of PR people anyway, and that's the idea of trust and authority. So if you can show that you are an expert in the field that you operate in, so to Britt's point, it should be relevant to your company. But I think doing that does, I mean, I think it does provide a level of trust, not just with the public, but also journalists that they are going to want to come back and ask you your opinion on something when, let's say you work in the student loan space, because that's near and dear to my heart and um, legislation is about to pass. Um, They're going to be turning to you to find out what the latest news is. And actually, Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit, Amanda, of what um, a newsworthy content piece might look like so it can kind of help um, be more clear for listeners. But I would think that if you cover something newsworthy on your blog and you get awareness from somewhere else, like let's say a newspaper and then somebody recognizes your name and goes back to your blog, that they're likely to come back to the blog when something else newsworthy happens and you can I'm assuming gain some readers too, although I've, I don't have data backing that up, but I think strategically it makes sense. But anyway, what, what are your thoughts, Amanda? Like what, what does a newsworthy yeah. piece of content even look like? How, how can you conceptualize this for listeners who might not even understand what we're talking about? Sure. Yeah. And, and just quickly to your point that you made about, you know, people kind of recognizing your brand as an authority in a way, like this is all work that compounds and it's hard Mm. to measure the full impact of it. Like the more that you're out there, the more likely people are to click on the links that you have been involved in, the more likely they are to click on your search results, right? Like it just, it compounds in ways that we are honestly not that capable of measuring. 
So it's hard yeah. to get buy-in for sometimes, but it has a huge impact. Um, in terms of newsworthy, so like a question I get a lot, and maybe you both get it too, it's like brands, it's very difficult to break news. <laughs> they're not newsrooms. <laughs> they're not reporters. Right. It's just not a thing that is anyone's capabilities, which makes total sense. It shouldn't be. So like, how do you create something that's newsworthy when you're not a reporter? Like, you don't have those resources. And when I joined Stacker recently, and I love this company. I love their approach to it. And I basically asked them this exact question. I was like, okay, how do you all go about this? Because Stacker also doesn't break news. They have a lot to teach to brands because the way that they do things is never breaking news. It's evergreen topics that are often related to breaking news. And I can Mm. talk more about that. So it's like contextualizing. And this was the word that they used that made so much sense to me. How often is there a topic, even if it's, you know, especially something that's breaking, it's not going to be a deep dive into that topic. It's telling you what's happening right now and that you have follow-up questions or you don't know the history of that topic or you have no idea what's going on. That sort of contextualizing is a very good place for you to be in if it's relevant to your industry. Like what can you offer to people in order to increase their understanding that makes it a more evergreen topic that's still relevant and can be relevant every time a breaking news story pops up that has something to do with it. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's it's really effective. And then the other thing that they are really good at is localizing. And I remember learning this in, (laughs) This is a small little anecdote that uh, makes me happy. When I was in journalism school, I was in a class called Reporting. Very straightforward. It was, very <laughs> and it, was it was like the make or break class for the whole degree. And like so many people failed. It was... Oh my God. Was, <laughs> they made it really intense. But I got my first A and I was a huge nerd back then. The fact that it took me a while to get my first A was really stressful for me. But... <laughs> All I did was took a national story about doodling, improving your concentration and, and information retention. Like a study came out cool. and I interviewed college, like professors at my school and said, oh, is, yeah. do you like also like neuroscience people? And they had their own kind of spin on it. They're like, yeah, absolutely. That's a hundred percent true. Like this is how students can think about it. And that has always stayed with me because I got the good grade and I was like, Oh, I get it. Like, localizing it's not a like foundationally different story from the national one but it adds that more relevant flavor so if you're a brand and you know again stacker does the same thing it's like how do you make this relevant to your city or how does your state fit into this how does your career fit into this your industry that's another way of trying to take something that's breaking and add a different lens to it yeah, so it would be like, I don't know. What's a good, like, could we I just was just about to ask, can we have an example? Yeah, so sure. So let me, let me, or yeah, dive in. Whatever you want, yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll use, like, actual article examples, because I think that is, I think you're absolutely right. It's, like, hard to wrap your head around unless you hear, like, a real example. So just about context overall, like, some of the questions that we ask are, Okay, so like take take internet privacy, right? That comes up constantly <laughs> for various reasons, whether it's something that a company's doing or like a law that's being debated or whatever. So Stacker did a piece that was 
from Kodak cameras to the internet, the evolution of American privacy law. So basically the, the answer that they're giving to this question is, what is the history of this, right? Okay, this is where we're at. How did we get here? What led to this point? And how does that increase our understanding of what's happening? They do this a lot and it's really effective. It's, it's that historical context, right? Now, yeah. Yeah. another version of this that's more localized is they also did a piece called How Data Privacy Laws Vary by State. And this is like very confusing to me personally. I've never understood this. And I mean, it's wild to me that there's so much variation, but it's literally a breakdown of what every single state's law is. And it's not like extremely convoluted. It's literally like, this is the law and this is what it means. So in this way, you're able to localize because now you know what's in your own state, but also you see direct comparisons as to what's possible. You're able to compare California to Florida, right? When you couldn't mm -hmm. before. Comparisons yeah. are great too. They're, they're really, uh, this is a more literal comparison. Like it's the same thing they're comparing just in different uh, ge like geographical locations, but you can compare, you know, it to other types of laws in other countries, for example, or, you know, comparisons are great for context. And then the, the third thing is, and I kind of touched on this, but not really, it's just literally breaking down a complicated topic. So this isn't always going to be the case, but for something like privacy law, it is 100% the case. It's very confusing. So another piece that Stacker did was 10 major internet law cases since 2000. So it's like, here's a wrap up of everything that's happened, because even if you knew that it was happening at the time, you probably forgot. And it's similar to the historical context, but it's like, Let's just make this very easy for you to understand as you're diving into this topic. And all of these things can be relevant when there is more breaking news about privacy happening, right? So they're evergreen, but complementing the newsworthy piece. Does that make sense? Is that yeah. Okay. I think it makes a lot of sense. And what's cool, I think you touched on this, you could revisit some of the evergreen topics when the new cycle comes back again if it becomes relevant again right yeah that's the that's the nice thing about the evergreen stuff it's like when something you're breaking news and you're just done right like okay that's it but with the evergreen stuff and then you can localize it even further like stacker has it set up where they produce like say that example i gave where um you know you have privacy laws by state like you can do a specific spin-off story like if you're pitching you can particularly pitch a certain writer and say like this is what's happening in Pennsylvania right or if you have a ranked list like okay your state's number two in XYZ or your state's at the bottom of XYZ you know taking yeah. that spin I'm sure y'all have done that like what are, how do you both kind of personalize well, those pitches yeah no it's funny you mentioned that I'm happy you did too because I think when sometimes when I was at an agency in particular and an idea would come up from another team member who wasn't in PR, they'd be really neat ideas um, looking into the history of something or looking into like comparing different laws from state to state. That was a common idea for one of our <laughs> um, clients who are in that space. But mm -hmm. um, then my heart would start pounding because I'd be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pitch this? <laughs> And I also didn't want to offend anyone with this genius idea of content that should be created. But I was, you know, worried in the end about how we were going to build, how we were going to get coverage on the idea. That was the main goal. So that's exactly what I had to do was get granular on that topic and think, 
um, well, what are some, maybe a local story that we could tell with this data? Who are the local outlets that we can then pitch this to? Um, the history one, I, I still say my heart kind of skips a beat when I hear about content that's like the history of something because I find it's really hard to pitch to top tier journalists. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes to like, you know, comparing um, laws or comparing stats by state, um, love those type of ideas because it does open the open the doors of opportunity to more local outlets and reporters. Um, but yeah. Oh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Do you feel the I, same, Becky? Yeah, I, I um, to add to this, um, I think newsworthy is the key with anything related to whether you're whatever the top. If it's a deep dive or whatever, it doesn't have to be like the history of. But if you're gonna touch on a localized angle, good God, make it newsworthy, or else there's such a pain in the ass to pitch. Like, like I don't think just straight up rankings. They might work sometimes, but I don't know that they work as effectively unless it's newsworthy. And I've got a great example right now, actually, that who cares? I don't think any of my clients listen to this podcast, so they probably won't know. <laughs> um, we're working on a Halloween spooky season piece, and it's a haunted house um, study. And we're looking at where the most haunted places are in the U.S. And like, we I love kind that. Of, yeah, it's fun. We're doing a data driven approach like. And you can look at your state and see like, oh, wow, there's been a lot of reported like ghost sightings, which is like silly. But there's an actual database, I guess, where people have been tracking this stuff. And yeah. And there's also like, I don't know if you've looked into this, but real estate, um, some states require um, anything like that to be listed in the real estate listing or the what is it yeah, called? Like the listing for the house for sale. Yeah. I'm like, what? That's, that's crazy. I love this idea. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Um, it's done well. I barely had to do. We have another PR person that works with me and he kind of took the reins with it. But um, I also got I got publicity in Distractify, which I'd never worked with them before. So that was kind of cool. I was like, OK, that's cool. And um, he got a couple of uh, local hits. And I think from just the little bit that we've done so far, all these other local news outlets naturally picked it up, which I think I don't know. You've probably seen this too, Amanda and Britt, where it gets a little bit of publicity and then all these other news outlets notice it. And because the content piece is so rich with information for each little geographical area, they're just finding it, looking for their geo area and then reporting on whatever the data says. So I think and, and it's newsworthy because uh, quite simply, it's timely. Like it is Halloween time. So people want to talk about this kind of topic and kind of just like does the work for you when you actually take that strategic approach? I mean, if you're trying to be in the news, why not make your idea newsworthy? To me, it's like no brainer. <laughs> no, you're making a great point where if you're going to do the history or the deep dives, it still has to tie back to that relevant thing. Like, why are we talking about this now? Yes, why does it That's matter? the question, right? Like, why now? Uh, that, that makes total sense. Um, so yeah, I, I think also, <laughs> Britt, I know, I think I know what you're talking about. I remember the days like everything was the evolution of whatever. And <laughs> to, to Jackie's point, it was like none of it actually had to do with anything. <laughs> it was just kind of random. Um, you know, and I think it works for Stacker more than it would for brands just because Stacker has that built relationship with these publications. Whereas if you're a brand starting from scratch, you might not want to start with like a complex, like, historical breakdown of something 
because yeah, unless they already trust you, it's going to be really tough to distinguish yourself from other sources there. So start with the like really relevant and then maybe those other things will work, but it really depends. Do you think that this is kind of a random question, but do you think that those types of articles still help brands build links passively over time? Yeah. So, well, I think that the evergreen ones certainly do. So you can like think about it two ways, right? Like the, the breaking news stuff or you know, like news jacking, I guess is the term that people use. Uh, when you do that, you get the huge burst of links up front and then it kind of fades. Right. But like the evergreen stuff, it really depends on how you're approaching it. If it's ranking well, you'll definitely see the links continue. Yes, I'm gonna say. And if you, yeah. Uh-huh. And if. Go ahead. No, that was just me oh. saying that happened. It does happen. The ranking oh, okay. of the links. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like we were talking about before, where if you're like re-promoting it, and it's just so much easier to do that for some of these topics. You know, we just did a, a series about uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. And like one of them was 20 influential Indigenous Americans you might not know about. That's just like... It's always interesting, but yeah. it's relevant when that day comes around and it's something that you can re-promote. Maybe you do like a different 20 people every year or something, right? Like those types of topics that you can repurpose, you can continue building links to. And you see people doing this with all kinds of stuff, not even just like the PR side, but their on-site content. They're updating it. I mean, they're doing it to a fault. They're like, oh, let's just change the date and say it was updated and we'll relaunch it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do think those things can build a lot of links over time. It makes sense too. I like, I think that's just a good strategy. I mean, if you're listening to this, you might not care about SEO strategy, but I think you're right. Like I think utilizing that same URL page, if it's on the same exact topic, like you can tweak it and like keep building the link juice to that page. Like who cares? Like I've seen when I did a competitor analysis at my old job, like I was kind of shocked at how like you they would literally like change the entire content on that page and they would do it because there's already so much link juice to that page and it was relevant to the topic so I think it makes sense like if you're gonna kind of do an evergreen thing and you want to update it regularly you might as well use the same page url and just change it up as you wish and re-promote it when you need to and all that good stuff boost it (laughs) keep boosting it exactly so I think this all sounds fine and dandy, but I'm just thinking about resources and then also like tools. So like, how do you even begin to do this? Like if you, especially if you're starting out, not, let's say you don't have a lot of resources. Um, what are, what are some ways to get started with this? Yeah. I mean, that's the big, the big uh, hurdle, right. Is literally just doing it. Uh, yeah. You know, I think the most obvious is literally just reading the news, Um, but also not just like the general news, but whatever publications are relevant to your industry and your audience. You know, there's tools like SparkToro where you can figure out where your audience is consuming information. So, you know, again, we're not talking specifically about your product or your service, but we're still talking to your audience. So you want to know where they're getting the information. So SparkToro is one option. Basically, uh, you might have talked about this on the show. I know you had Rand on earlier. Um, but you type in like a publication and you see where else people who read that publication, where else they're consuming information, right? Podcasts or social channels or whatever. Right. So you can start with something like that if you don't really know. Um, but if you do know, just literally keeping tabs on all the news that's being published there, because even if you're not the 
best person to, or the expert on that topic, maybe you're providing a different perspective on that topic, right? Um, tools like uh, Exploding Topics is another one. This is one where if you're covering more uh, general stuff, then you could just kind of like subscribe to their newsletter. But if you're more of a, and most brands have like a specific industry, then I would just check in every now and then and click on your on your niche and see what, every time I go to that site, have you both been to that site? Which site? It's called Exploding Topics. It's like oh. Brian Dean from Backlinko's new thing. Okay, I think I've seen it, but I've not been there yet. Let me look it up. Every time I go there, I feel like I don't know anything that's going on. It's like the, the, <laughs> the object of the tool is like to try to identify topics before they hit their peak. Okay. Like new things. So I've just, I, I, it's always stuff that I haven't freaking heard of yet. Um, so that's just like to get some ideas. Like maybe you're seeing trends in like different software or different topics that are coming up more often than others. Yeah. Um, to anticipate that sort of thing. And then obviously there's like Google News, you know, another kind of standard way to start collecting this information. But that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to see not only like what people are talking about, but what people like what your audience is reading and understanding how you might be able to contribute to that. Cool. Um, what about BuzzSumo? Do you ever use that? Yeah, BuzzSumo is awesome. That's a great, I, I don't, how do you both use it? Because the way that I was always using it was, I would just type in topics and see what the most engaged with content was. And that was specifically when, I guess it depends on your goals, right? Like link, yeah. link earning goals might look a little different, but just to see mm -hmm. what people were interested in, I thought it was a great tool. Yep. I, pretty much the same thing. I would look up topics and I did it more from the standpoint of media list building. So figuring out who talks about these things and, um, Oh Yeah. And you can also look at backlink profiles a little easier than Ahrefs because it kind of it just cleans up the data. So it only shows you like news stories and you don't see duplicates or anything like that, which is kind of nice for quick research. Um, but yeah, they I have don't... cool. They have cool filters now. Like yeah. they have like how to filters and, exactly. you know, if you just want to see that type of content or certain length. Yeah, it's it's I have enjoyed using it for sure. Yeah, you can get pretty granular with the with the filters it's kind of cool but yeah um what else you got brit or brit you got any questions follow-ups oh gosh i was on mute i tried to <laughs> i'm like I, i'm like i tried to um follow along on twitter but god i get so distracted um so i'm trying to use that less actually um okay. The other, let's think. I, I do just try, like, every Friday I try to squeeze in some time to just peruse the outlets that I'm pitching often. Oh, that's cool. And that's, I mean, sometimes then if they're publishing some about something already, I mean, it's like, shoot, I I wish I would have thought I'd that, blah, wish I would have thought of that idea. Um, but I think that lends itself nicely to perhaps ideas – that help contextualize something like Amanda was talking about because yep. um, it also can inspire a new way of looking at an idea um, or just how can you supplement the reporter with some information that could help them with a follow-up article or if it's a really trendy topic, they're likely going to be talking about it for a few months. So it could help with the contextualization aspect of it. Um, Spark Toro has been really nice. I have dabbled with that tool, 
from time to time. And what other? I think that's it really. I'm not a big like tools person, um, which is really weird for being in the SEO content marketing world. I'm really like just scrappy (laughs) with what I use. Um, I tend to be as well. Yeah, Brett, I totally feel you with like Twitter being a love-hate relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I have found a lot of value in joining kind of like Slack channels that I know exist. Mm -hmm. Like there's one that is just me and a bunch of people that I used to work with at a former agency and they're more SEO savvy. But so that comes in handy when I have an SEO question because I'm not necessarily the most technical SEO person. But um, I've heard of different Facebook groups even. Um, Previous people that we've interviewed have mentioned that there are Facebook groups where I forget who it was, but there was somebody who would actually like bounce ideas off of other journalists that were in this group. Do you remember who that was, Jackie? Yeah, it was um, Lisa Rabasca Ropi, I think. Ah, yeah. And she would ask for sources sometimes that way. LinkedIn. Uh, Rachel um, Moss. Yeah, yeah. So I know there's Facebook groups out there that I've been meaning to look into and even consolidate into a post. <laughs> but. Um, Instagram. Somebody we interviewed recently. I don't know if the episode's live oh, yet. Yeah. They go on Instagram and they find it probably depends on your industry, but finding the influencers that are overla- that overlap with your industry. So if their lifestyle overlaps with uh, who your audience is and they follow this influencer, you can kind of get an idea of the hot topics because they tend to be trendy and you might be able to get some sort of um, information out of that. Reddit's another classic one too, right? Mm -hmm. Like just subscribing to the relevant subreddits. And I think a lot of marketers are trying to just get in there and post and get traction from it. But undervalue just literally listening to what people are talking about in there is also really valuable. Just research. Yeah. Or when you need to wrap your head around a certain topic. Like I forgot about Reddit. I totally went on there to figure out, to try to help understand crypto and NFTs back when... They were like really hopping off. It kind of, it did. It did help me actually a little bit. Um, It can, again, like similarly to Twitter, it can lead you to a rabbit hole of all different talking points and discussions. But in general, I did come across certain like comments that helped me understand the topic better. And also then it helps you understand what people who are more entrenched in the topic in that world are thinking and talking about too. Cause that's something that I was definitely not in tuned with. And when it comes to NFTs, especially. I am. Um, NFTs. Yeah. Oof. Those that, what a world we live in right now. Um, but <laughs> I still don't understand anything. I'm just like, I'm opting out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's why we're not fucking rich right now. That's why we have a podcast and work all the time because we don't understand this shit. But getting rich it. I, uh, I was on Reddit earlier. Actually, it's funny, Britt, you're talking about this because I was having similar thoughts this morning because um, I was on – I like to – I've been going to the climbing gym over here and I'm into bouldering right now. Not like outside bouldering because we're in Florida, but inside air conditioning, like whatever. And – um kind of tweaked a tendon I'm fine I'm fine it's like a pain it's like a level two out of ten like it's like I just know something's off 
So I started like Googling stuff and somebody, I found somebody on Reddit. I always, whenever I Google a topic I really want to know about, I always type in Reddit right after because you're right, Britt, like they just go so in depth. Um, but anyway, like found somebody with similar symptoms that I'm dealing with and um, gosh, like the comments were so helpful. And it, it, I feel like I realized it takes a very special person to be on a forum about a very specific thing. And not only that, but help a stranger like seek to understand something super in depth like what the heck this person's probably busy and has a job but they're like they love a topic so much they're willing to like send this person youtube videos and give them advice and like find sources for them to like deeply understand something and i feel like i don't know like there's probably i don't know much about audience building and how like the technical terms but i think there is something there that there's like a sug a like a segment of your audience that is like they're like the most passionate and maybe they're like the tastemakers that kind of bring the rest of everyone forward to the future. And I feel like those people live in Reddit. Like they're the ones that are really actually talking about what matters and what's timely right now. So I think Reddit's probably very undervalued by marketers. Like you said, Amanda, like why try to game the system and like post something in a in a subreddit you have no business being in? I feel like the key is to listen and pay attention. That's probably where you get the most value out of it yeah it's literally and actually going back to basumo again like the tools that collect the questions that are being asked in these communities because it's literally a collection of questions people have about this specific topic and can you imagine like i love that you brought that up because it's like the genuine effort that's put into helping people like can you imagine brands putting in that same level of care with their customers like (laughs) those are the people that stand out like people with the great customer service and everything and you can do that through your content as well like listen we, we realize this is something that nobody understands or even if it's niche like you were saying like this is very specific thing that's something that also that marketers and pr people can sometimes overlook it's like well this doesn't appeal to everybody but again back to that like localizing or contextualizing it's like you can get a little more specific if that's your audience right like yeah it's okay way to tie that back together that makes that makes all of this make a lot of sense is like how can you be the reddit commenter for your audience (laughs) needs you right because i mean it's true like there's a reason why people type in a topic and then read it. It's because like that's where the good content is. So if you can provide that same level on your blog and you have these outlets be the connector that associates people there that that people associate your brand with that topic and they realize your blog is like super helpful. So this is wild. Like you, all three of us like we're in the content marketing game. So we often probably don't think about effective content on a blog in the same way that other people do because we know the strategy behind it. But like I remember showing my mom a blog post on a client's website and my mom doesn't know anything about web marketing. I was watching her and it's fascinating watching a boomer read an article on an iPad. She was like <laughs> taking screenshots of like <laughs> you know? But then she was like was just like what a great article and then like her logical next step I watched her like she went on the blog and she started kind of scrolling through the articles and clicking another one and reading that one and so I think I think people I think we probably don't realize but like there are people out there that if they do find a good reading resource online they don't care that it's a company blog if it's actually interesting and engaging it's quite possible they might bookmark it or at least screenshot it for later yeah yeah it's beautiful that she saw that yeah. Oh, what did you say? Sorry. 
Sorry, I know I overlapped with Britt. I apologize. I said it's beautiful that you saw that like live in action. (laughs) Like we know that happens, but just to see that is so cool. Yeah, I've seen her like my mom, dude. I imagine like a lot of people's parents are like this, but I like I'll randomly look over and I'm like, where did what on earth? Like what website is she on? And it'll be like she'll be like on like slide 14 of like an 80 slideshow article. It's like you won't believe where these child stars ended up. I'm like, oh. type of person who clicks on these things okay but yeah i mean (laughs) people stumble around on the internet i don't know if it's so intentional sometimes i think i think people like us we we're probably a little more intentional intentional with our online viewing but i think the general public really does just seek out good and interesting information and might not fully be like totally aware of where it's coming from but which could be good for you if you're i don't know a website that creates wheelchairs and I don't know I'm that's a bad example but you know what I'm getting at is like your client even if you think your client's boring it could still serve a purpose online so oh totally 100% agree with that sweet well do we have any like closing thoughts Amanda what other like final tidbits do you want to give our listeners that you know what what do they need to know and in all of this like what are the big key things before we kind of close out here yeah well uh everyone should listen to jackie and Britt because they know what they're talking about and oh my gosh this is not uh it's not easy you know i think people can often wrap their heads around the benefits of this stuff but they don't realize how much work goes into it so knowing that it's an investment but it's one that pays off and there are so many ways to measure that payoff but uh i guess this could be like i'm going off on a little bit of a tangent already but go for it it's okay um you know having an objective for it so your objective might literally be increasing your brand awareness right so you can do it by placement you can do it by like traffic on that site or you know um, yeah, yeah. how popular those sites are how relevant they are it could be earning links right like Make sure you have an objective at the beginning as well, and that'll help guide you in doing this type of work. It's a good idea. Something measurable, basically, like number of backlinks or number of placements, or if that's not even predictable, like you said, I don't know, getting on a website that has a lot of traffic is good. Uh, Referral traffic, that could be a good one. Even if you only get a couple people over on your website, that's signal something, right? Yeah, and like track all of that, but when it comes to reporting and setting specific goals for specific pieces, it's good to know like, okay, this piece's main goal is to do X, Y, Z, right? So how cool. do, who do we pitch to do that, etc. I think that's something that's often overlooked. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram. 